HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and it's a gorgeous day in Brooklyn. However, the the electricity went out for a little bit at Roberta's. <laughs> I am being I'm being real here. Uh, <laughs> so we're recording on um um yeah, we're still recording. That's like all that a, matters. A walkie-talkie. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, my guest today is a trooper for, for dealing with this, and uh, her name is Kristen McGlory. She is the executive editor at Food 52, uh, particularly the uh, columnist, uh, the, sorry, the editor of the James Beard-nominated column, Genius Recipes, on Food 52, and I... Uh, Hey, this new book, new. She is the editor of Genius Recipes, 100 Recipes That Will Change the Way You Cook, and it is a gorgeous cookbook. Thanks so much for joining us here, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so this book, first of all, I just want to say that physically it, it feels substantial, it looks important, um, and it, it actually... Smells kind of nice. Too. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I, it, it did. You I know, guess I, I was, haven't gotten close enough to smell. It. I mean, I haven't <laughs> thought about smelling it, but now it would. <laughs> well, it might be my bookshelf. I don't I know. But um, yeah, so this book, it, it just feels like you know this was a keeper. If I was in a if I was in a bookstore, like this feels like a good book. Is that how you felt, kind of like about the recipes themselves? Or? That's that's really really nice to hear. I mean, that's what I had hoped for. I mean, it. You know, a lot of the recipes in the series are these really, really iconic recipes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had I, that was kind of my goal was to gather as many game-changing recipes as I could in one book. And you know, a lot of them are fairly well known, and some are less so. And okay. so, but just like the point being that um, it would be a hundred 
kind of tricks to have in your back pocket, mm-hmm. um, techniques that would change, like like the subtitle says, change the way that you think about cooking something. So it's like a revelation. Like each yeah. one comes with like a nugget of knowledge that you can keep using and yes, putting yes, into your food. exactly. And in a lot of cases, it's a simplification or a shortcut, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Um, but it doesn't always have to be. It's just the idea being that it's like different from the sort of standard way that you would think that everybody says that you have to do something or like if you're kind of swimming around on the internet like oh my gosh how do I roast a chicken there's like a million techniques or you know I've always heard that like French chefs insist on trusting a certain way Mm. that like I kind of try to like wade through all of that and test as many of the sort of iconic versions of recipes that I can and distill down what the one way is that I think you need to know. Right. Well, we need definitely more of that because some recipes are older and um, preferences change too. So That's I imagine true. that that plays a lot into it. Um, this book also reminds me sort of as like a, a scrapbook that people used to collect of their favorite oh. recipes and they'd click, clip them from here and there and put them together because you've been doing this column, Genius Recipes, since like what, 2012? Or so? Um, 2011, I think. It's been okay. four years, yeah. Wow. So this is like a compendium of like the best of. Yeah, the it's, it's, the, it's half greatest hits from the column, and then half of the recipes are new to the book, too. So, oh, cool. So, yeah, it's, I mean, we wanted to give people something that they yeah, hadn't already seen on the website. And also I had all of these tips that I was kind of sitting on. I, just to go back for a second, I really rely heavily on tips from the Food 52 community and from, uh-huh. you know, just, just people out in the world because I don't, like, even though I am sort of, like, shepherding these recipes right. through the column, I don't pretend to know everything about cooking by a long shot. Well, so it really, really helps to have tips from... A, a huge, um, you know, well of the entire Food 52 community. I, and I love how that you have that um, genius tips yeah. you're just kind of shout out at the end of this book because a lot of the recipes are from like really famous chefs, amazing, um, amazingly acclaimed chefs, and so forth. But you also have all these tips from from your community at Food 52, like normal yeah. people. Yeah, it's it's really been my favorite part about doing this whole thing is that from the very first column I put up, you know, that one we sourced internally from, you know, it was Something. a recipe yeah. that, that Amanda Hesser, my boss at Food 52, had written about before, and she knew it was super genius. It was um, the River Cafe's strawberry sorbet that has a whole lemon um, chopped up and blended in, including the the skin, the pith, everything. The only thing you lose is the seeds. It's so good. Genius. You know, your your face is like I've, that's genius. It, 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 okay. No, really, right. really, like it's really. It's. I mean, honestly, I've I, I teach classes sometimes at ICE, and mm-hmm. um, that's been like I have to put that on any anytime I teach a class in the summer. I have to make sure we do that because. Every time it comes out so good and people are so shocked by it. Wow. Um, and, and like, no matter who is doing it, like, it, no matter, like, what the strawberries are like, you can adjust it to taste. You can add a little more sugar if they're kind of sour. If, you know, Gosh, you can add I can more really go juice. for that. It's really, it's really excellent. But anyway, I got that Especially from Amanda. Especially with no air conditioning right now. <laughs> I know. Right now. So that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Give me more genius sorbets. Yes. But after that, the community jumped in. Like, I've always had a line at the bottom of every column that said, send me your tips. And they have ever since. And so I definitely, like, 
I wouldn't have been able to do this without them. Without them. Mm -hmm. Aw. Well, okay, so a little bit about your background, because you're the executive editor at Food 52. You also graduated from ICE, mm -hmm. um, the culinary, um, the international culinary education. Institute <laughs> of Culinary Education. That's it. That's the one. Um, and uh, you also graduated from the NYU Food Studies program. Mm -hmm. um, but you had a background in economics. What yes. Was, what was about? What was that all about? <laughs> what was that all about? Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. I just like I I didn't really know that food was a a thing, thing. that you could do. Like really, I I you know I it's it's been a while since I graduated from college, but um, when you know I I went to like a like a big liberal art school. All the mm -hmm. majors were like, you know, you can major in English or history or engineering and um I picked econ and I really liked learning about it but then when I got I just had no idea what it was going to be like when I got into okay. the job market and it just didn't suit me I didn't like it I thought about food all the time and so eventually after kind of like sitting in my cubicle for a while <laughs> um I just started googling and found the food studies program at NYU and wow. and eventually decided life. to to pursue that. Well, does anything about your background in economics do you think plays into uh, your your I don't know choices? Your I don't know anything um, about your cooking. I, I I'm sure that it must. Honestly, like on a practical <laughs> level, the thing that I use most is that like I know how to do spreadsheets pretty well, and so mm. like I use that you know I like set up our editorial calendar and like those kinds of things in Google spreadsheets, and I'm pretty. That's. That's a good skill. It's a skill. <laughs> um, but I don't know about it. Like, I could, I could maybe, I, like, I've sort of thought that, like, my, like, like researchy side of, like, wanting to, to problem solve and, and figure out what's going on in something maybe has, yeah. has informed how I like to tackle, like, the genius what's going on in a recipe, but I don't know. Well, um, you're a very modest Christian, but I have to say that if you have edited 100 genius recipes and countless others on this, uh, on this column beforehand, you must be pretty much the smartest person in cooking, so no. I thought, no, Not by a long shot. okay, we'll find out, how's that, because I <laughs> okay. have, um, okay. Well, I was joking earlier that I was going to shoot Kristen 52 rapid-fire questions, <laughs> but I don't have quite that many questions, but... But shall we try a little? Sure. Okay. Quiz game. Um, all right. Eggplant. Salt and squeeze out to get rid of bitter juices, or is that a total myth? Um, not a total myth. I think it helps mostly with getting rid of the moisture. I don't think it changes the flavor a ton, but I think it does help by getting some of the moisture out beforehand. Okay, so yes for a totally different reason. <laughs> um, uh, what temperature to roast Brussels sprouts? Oh, I would say in the 400, 425 range. Okay, nice yeah, and crispy. Just, I, I think that's a, like, roast anything at that okay. range, probably. Four, four to 450, really. All-encompassing, roast everything answer. Yes. 400-something. Um, uh, onions and marinara sauce, yes or no? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, should we always blind bake pie crust? This is a little, tr a genius trick where you bake the bottom crust first so it doesn't get soggy. Anyway, should we always do that? Because it's so genius? Um, yes, but, <laughs> this is a yes, but, um, 
there's there is a pie in the book, a pumpkin pie. It's a custard pie mm-hmm. that is that kind of defies all pie crust logic. Okay, and it you just put it in raw, and then because you bake it at such a high temperature, it's okay. It's okay. Like it, right. it crisps up the butter, especially if you use a um, a glass pie pan. Mm-hmm. Those those tend to like you know the the heat gets in pretty. Like ah. evenly, and you can you can monitor it a lot better. You can like see through, Ooh. obviously, and see it's getting brown and crispy. All right, so that's um, a good shortcut then. <laughs> All right, so yes, but not for one pumpkin pie recipe <laughs> in this book. Um, is it a sin to mix cheese and seafood? Really, <sighs> nothing's a sin. Um, no, I like that answer. <laughs> All right, what is the most delicious and edible part of the? Uh, oh, sorry, what is the most delicious and edible? part of a food that we're constantly throwing away. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, the, the most best. Charred stems. Charred stems mm-hmm. of Swiss chard a la mm-hmm. Anna Klinger at Alila. A la Anna Klinger, she, she blanches and then grills them and then tosses them in anchovy dressing, which is delicious. But also, um, I recently put up a, a charred stock hummus from Tara Dugan Ooh. of Root to Stock Cooking. And, um, it's so delicious. It's kind of like baba ganoush without having to like char an eggplant. Swiss chard stems. You can yes. mush up into baba ganoush. That mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. So, is there any quicker way to caramelize onions rather than slowly on a pan for like hours? Yes. Um, I actually learned this trick. I haven't. I've never written about this, but my friend Anita Shepherd, um, who you do you know her? She she um, launched Anita's yogurt. Which oh. is a, a coconut milk yogurt. Oh, yes, she's, yes, yes. she's amazing. She's I learn so much from her every time I watch her cook. She caramelizes onions a little bit a little bit higher heat, but uh-huh. she just constantly deglazes with whatever she has around, oh, whether it's liquid. beer or mm-hmm. water or wine, whatever. And that speeds it up. And that yeah, because you're constantly deglazing whatever's sticking to the pan, and it's getting like the, those flavors are getting absorbed into the onions. Sweet. And it just kind of allows you to go a little bit faster without burning anything. Well, literally sweet. Um, <laughs> Risotto, do I really need to toast the grains first in oil? Yes. Okay, that helps it be al dente. I I mean, it definitely helps with flavor, and I'm sure that it helps, too, with, like... Texture. I I think, yeah, I think Elizabeth David said you're supposed to make them, like, impregnated with oil before you start adding the... Or butter. Before you start adding... I know, it's very, like... Arborio rice grains. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds very Elizabeth David, actually. Um, beets, boil them or roast them? Oh gosh, I, I would say roast. Yeah. Or if you cut them smaller, you don't have to wait as long. You can yeah. put them in a pan, or you can just eat them raw, which is really more likely Sheep what I'm going to do. Okay. Yeah, especially in this heat. Um, last but not least, how do I glaze nuts without having the sticky, caramelizey, burnty, what you know? So up to the pan. The there is a recipe in this book, which you may have seen from Union Square Cafe, that is not. Um, I did not see it. It's not really a can. It's not a candied nut. It's like a spiced nut, and it's ah. it's like it's so much easier, and you don't end up with like burnt nonsense on the pan. It's just you just toast the nuts, and then you toss them in this really so good. Toast. Oh, and you then toast them toss. separately. Then you toss them in oh, just that's a few what things. I've been doing wrong. Brown sugar, cayenne, melted butter. Um, Rosemary, I think, and okay. salt, and then you get you still get the like sticky, salty mm. goodness, but um, and and sweetness from the brown sugar, but you don't, yeah, it's it just kind of like sits, it like clings to the outside of the nut, and you won't of, lose like, a pan, yeah, and you don't have to it. deal with 
brilliant. With soaking a pan for a All right. Thank you so much for indulging this round <laughs> of questions. Thank you. Um, I hope it was rapid. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get back to some more less rapid questions right after a quick little commercial interlude. The following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. All right, we're back chatting with Kristen McGlory of Food 52 and the latest cookbook, Genius Recipes, 100 Recipes That Will Change the Way You Cook. Kristen, it's so great to have you in the station. It's really fun being here. And been bearing with us, uh, technical um, issues aside. Um, so let's just, let's just go with, you know, what immediately should I make this week? Like, what's, what's a great recipe this for this week? heat? This week, guacamole. Okay. For sure. Um, or maybe, so so there's the guacamole, Rob, Roberto Santibanez's guacamole is oh. just like a really smart, only like slightly different kind of guacamole that makes a huge difference um, just by the technique that you use. What What's weird about it? So it, it has totally normal ingredients. It's mm-hmm. just onion, chili, cilantro, avocado, salt, optional lime. Mm-hmm. But you mash up the... Um, the onion, chili, and cilantro into a paste instead of leaving them chunky. And so it's kind of like a dressing for the avocado. So, and it's, you know, super quick, really good I never thought of doing that, but that sounds great. Yeah, and then you leave the avocado kind of chunky, so it's, I mean, that's like half of what's so great about avocado is the texture, so. You still have that chunkiness. It Mm -hmm. looks beautiful here, and with like a, uh, it reminds me of, um, you know, sometimes people are are fond of making a cilantro sauce or like a cilantro mm-hmm. oil. Yeah, it, seems it is. To have it's kind of like a beautiful like a green mojo yeah. or something like that. Cool. And uh, what's the best way? I, I noticed you have a hummus recipe from some serious pros here, <laughs> um, Otto Lange and Sammy Tamimi. That sounds kind of like tahini. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is there? I, I, for me, when I'm making hummus, um, it's all about the texture. I can't really do too well. How can I overcome that if I'm a home cook? So this is this is a seriously genius technique, um, and I th- I think they were the the first to 
ever really do it or ever publish about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will soak their their chickpeas. They're, they'll either soak or simmer the dried chickpeas with baking soda, and that helps soften the chickpeas. It, it makes it like a, an alkaline environment for them, and that's beans respond to that as opposed to like an acidic environment. That's why people always say you're not supposed to cook beans with like tomatoes or you know vinegar or something because it keeps them very stiff, crumbly. And, yeah, it yeah. keeps them from softening. It oh. takes a really long time for them to soften. So, t- so people do the opposite of that by putting in alkaline. baking soda to make it alkaline. Um, but theirs is even better because you you saute so you soak them normally mm-hmm. with water overnight and then you drain them and then you kind of saute them for a few minutes with the baking soda directly and that just like that direct contact with the baking soda makes their skins just kind of like slough off like oh. they just and and the skins are what yeah you makes don't want tough. that yeah. in your hummus yeah and so and it also just kind of like permeates them a little bit more and helps them cook faster this this hummus like normally chickpeas would take i think I don't know, mm-hmm. an hour and a half or so to, to soften if you just simmered them straight, depending on the age of the chickpeas. Yeah. But the, this, I forget how long it takes, like, like 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes of simmer time? Yeah, 20 to 40 minutes. Yeah. That's really good. What if I use canned chickpeas? Am I ever going to attain that texture? I, Can I, I don't... Can I longer in I, I, you know, I haven't tried it, yeah. but I don't think so. I, I, my gut is that they've already been processed to mm-hmm. a certain extent. In the canning That's process, true. they're already cooked. They probably have so, some acidic things going on in there too to help preserve it. I don't know. Um, maybe that's something for for uh, re- listeners out there to try. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one question I have um, is, you know, when you're looking at recipes before you even make it, um, do you, is there any indicators of whether it's genius or not um, in all your experience? Because I know a lot of people. When you look up a recipe for, say, chocolate cake, and uh, it's hard to test the the quality of what's out there nowadays online. Um, It wasn't always from a test kitchen scenario. Certainly my recipes are not, but (laughs) I can tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. But, um, yeah, so is there any indicators when you're looking at a recipe that um, would help tell you if it's a really trustworthy, good recipe? That that's a tough question. Like it, it is really hard to know when you're looking online. It, you know, even looking at reviews. Like yes, you can read through the content of the comments, and you know, there's a good chance that a lot of if there's a lot of people who've had success, then you're probably gonna right the comments. You know, that's true. Yeah, you can like you can see. But the thing is, everybody's everybody's kitchens are different, and everybody's mm-hmm. stove is different. Every pan is different. So if some you know, just because you see a few reviews that say this didn't work for me, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad recipe, but it is something good to keep in mind. Like, what might they have done differently? Or if they say, oh, I tried making this recipe, but I subbed in gluten-free pasta and it was terrible, or something like that. Like, you can kind of take that with a grain of salt. Like, <laughs> or all right, if they sound I'll... like a total food blog troll, yes. you can maybe... Yeah, watch out for the trolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to tell, but um, you guys are doing a great job of... of testing and putting out like the best of the best so um speaking of which let's talk about roast chicken a moment sure um this recipe is really interesting and you said it's something that you can memorize without having to look at any recipes Mm -hmm. which is if i remember let me test my own memory (laughs) it is um uh 500 degrees the whole time and 10 minutes to each pound of of that bird yeah yep you got it yep Yep, you don't need a recipe anymore. Um, the only other thing you need to know is that um, 
don't trust it. Don't trust it? Don't trust it. Okay, Any of its legs just anyway. hanging out there. And put the legs towards the back of the oven because that's the hottest place. And they take the longest to cook through. So this is why... Um, mm -hmm. Why do we trust things? Like, I don't know. So, because the legs and the thighs are the part that takes the longest, the dark meat takes the longest to cook through, so why are we bundling it up? Close to, you know? <laughs> and that's, and I really, I, I never thought about that too hard, but until I read Barbara Kafka's book on roasting, and she's mm -hmm. so right. She said that it was, it's a relic from when we used to roast things over spits. Yes. And so, like, you, you had to... flapping Exactly, like, you don't want them apart. to just, like like char completely right, right. and so you tuck them into and, and you're you know you're dealing with much higher temperatures what about the wings because i know the wing tips could burn if you're not here that you should tuck them behind yeah. their back you can either tuck them or you can clip off the very end but like i usually just leave them and and they don't burn so badly that I you see. don't want to kind of um so there's also um i think in your introduction you mentioned that nowadays we prefer this more kind of golden and not even golden but actually brown like bronzed color mm -hmm. to, to roast chicken mm -hmm. and many other things like we seem to lean towards um i guess the maillard reaction mm -hmm. in, in a lot of our foods today and so maybe that has um changed the way we look at the perfect roast chicken mm -hmm. yeah so so 500 degrees though i don't know if i've ever done chicken at that high heat but <laughs> yeah she well the, so the only thing that can go wrong is that some people have complained that it can get very smoky spattery oh, no. um and so some people have said like oh i i you know my smoke alarm was going off but she's just like unplug your smoke alarm temporarily <laughs> while you're cooking this but um cooks illustrated also came up with a good tip which is the thing that's mostly spattering is not the skin of the bird, but the juices and the fat that's coming off into the bottom of the pan. Yeah. So they recommend putting like thinly sliced potatoes or something like that that can absorb the the fat and the juices and not kind of give it this like playground to just like get crazy right. batter, you know, the, the water and oil hitting into each other and being explosive. So that's, that's what I do now. I just like throw whatever vegetables I have under the chicken and it doesn't... Something that'll soak it up, right? Yeah. So. That yeah, nice. and then you get the bonus of like this really good, delicious, malty, I mean, like potatoes. whatever you've put in the bottom. Sounds great. Mm -hmm. um, we're just about out of time, Kristen, but is there any favorite recipe or favorite genius uh, revelation of yours? Mm, oh, man. Um, I know, I, I guess the book is it's, like it, it's your like, favorites, but. It, yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like my my babies. Like, how do you pick Aww. a favorite child? But no, I really like the ones that are the most. Shocking. I have kind of like a soft spot for the things that um, you just like are just like the total opposite of what you would think. Okay. Like, for example, um, I'm going to probably say his name in a really like embarrassing way, but Hervé Thies. <laughs> um, Who's the, that? Hervé uh, Thies. Um, okay. He's the, the man behind, he invented the word molecular gastronomy. Oh, right. And yes. his, his chocolate mousse recipe is it's not like a traditional chocolate mousse Do with like tell. cream and eggs and everything mm -hmm. it's literally just chocolate and water which are not supposed to be able to mix like water is supposed to make chocolate seize and so you're supposed to be very careful in, in chocolate right. work but um he figured out that if you just melt chocolate and water together in a in a certain proportion and then 
cool it off and whisk as it's cooling, it kind of acts like a cream or like something that you can whip, like an emulsified to mixture. make it lighter and stretch it. And yeah, to it and yeah, because you know cream is basically an emulsification mm-hmm. of fat and, and water, water yeah. milk. You know, so this is kind of like making a cream out of chocolate and water. You're and it, so, but it's wow. vegan. It's crazy. That is crazy. I've, I've heard <laughs> of this too. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of people are doing this now thanks to him and mm-hmm. thanks to... This recipe looks super easy, too, and I hate seeing, like, dessert recipes with, like, a huge long list of things to mm-hmm. do, so this looks, like, really nice. Yeah, it's a fun fine. one. So, it's a shocker. Wow. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Kristen. And, um, yeah, we'll look forward to keeping reading on um, more genius recipes to come through your column. And Thank you so much. And maybe another volume, too. Maybe. To about that. Maybe. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 